Welcome back to Two Nobodies, everyone. Rupesh is here again. You know, it really feels sometimes like the world is in a bit of divide. It feels like we're, you know, there's, you know, talks of nationalism going on. It feels like, you know, the pandemic has kind of isolated people. And it's sometimes it's really hard to find communities that seem to be very diverse and really want to be, see that kind of global exchange. But I have a really wonderful guest for everyone. Fabiola Benitez is here to join us. She is a co-founder for Global Friendship, which is located in China. And Fabiola, I'm really excited to have you on our show. It is, I read about Global Friendship and I was, I was just, you know, just amazed that this group exists and that people are trying to come together and trying to build these networks and support each other. And I think it's it was it was very surprising to me that it was located in China too, out of all places, maybe especially just like coming from here in the West. It was just like mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't have thought that. So I want to hear all about it. But welcome, Fabiola, to Two Nobodies. We're really excited to have you. Thank you so much, Rupesh. I'm so excited also for this opportunity to share because mostly I get to share here in China, but it's so cool to be yeah. sharing with you and and yeah, to maybe the Western listeners and people in Canada, which um, is always cool. <laughs> Yeah. Thank and are you, you so from much. Canada? I am. Yes. I'm I'm okay. originally I was born in Montreal and but okay. grew up in Ottawa. Nice. Okay. And then you did you do all your schooling there then? So I did yeah, most of my schooling in Ottawa went to Carleton University, yep. but I did a yep. a year in ex, a year exchange uh, abroad in France, my third year of university, and I think that kind of like sparked my whole like being global citizen and, you know, yeah. the curiosity of the world. Yeah. I, I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to just like people always talk about wanting to live abroad and mm. do all these things. But the fact that you actually did that, like, was it, was it a leap of faith or did it feel kind of natural just to, just to go to France and, and study abroad? Honestly, what I remember is I, well, one of the things is my background is my parents are refugees to Canada. So I've always okay. had this thing of like knowing more about the world. Um, and yeah. knowing that there's a, there's another perspective, not just like the Western perspective or the Canadian perspective. Um, so growing up, I was always curious, but never thought like I would actually just go and, and study abroad. And I, I, I had a dream once. I literally just had a dream. I think I had watched a Michael Moore documentary about like healthcare around the world or something. Okay. And um, yeah, I just yeah. was like, I want to go to France. And that's how it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, France is... Uh... France is definitely uh, known for their healthcare system. Yeah, that's for yeah. Sure. So just yeah. yeah. You said, and you said your parents are refugees. Where did they come from? They come from El Salvador. Okay. All right. And and you were you said you were born in Canada. So when did they come to Canada then? So I think they came. They first went to the U.S., then Canada. Before I was okay. born, I, I forget the year, but in the 80s, yeah. you know, like yeah. maybe like yeah. a year before I was born, so 88, something like this. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and what were their struggles like when they first kind of came to Canada as refugees? Like at that time, uh, when, it, do, you, yeah, do you know anything about that at all? Yeah, I've always been curious. It's always been like, yeah, um, something we've spoken, like they've spoken about openly. Of course, the first is like language. Um because they didn't speak English so that was like one of the first ones and they they came to Montreal which is you know multicultural um yeah but still they actually they had to learn French first 
Then the weather is something they tell me like all the time because <laughs> in El Salvador it's always like summer tropical weather, yeah. and and just the the realities of life like as refugees you know they don't have like much like much belongings money um, the, the 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 longing of being you know of missing home and family because in sure. a way it was not really their decision wanting to leave it's more of flee fleeing right so. Mm. Yeah, those. Do you those do you know do you know if they tried to settle in a in an area in Montreal? Because did they come to Montreal right from the beginning? Right. Then, yeah. And so, do you know if they tried to settle in an area of Montreal that would have been would have had a similar community, or did they, or did they not really have a choice, or what did that look like? Because like I don't know if you I don't know if you know, but I I, I think you see many newcomers coming to Canada, and they'll um, if they if they have a community that exists, you'll see. Definitely pockets of like you know the indian community yes. the korean community of right course. the chinese and, community and there's not yeah. yeah and there's not that necessarily um i don't know if there's that uh conscious like effort to like hey i'm gonna like put myself in a diverse neighborhood sort of situation right like sometimes you see these kind of pockets right so right. i don't know if did your parents did your parents want to be in a in a community that was kind of related for them or basically from what they tell me, well, one was that, um, and that happens a lot to immigrants too, right. Or refugees yeah. or, or, or when you talk about immigrants in general, um, yeah. they, you know, somebody or like a family or family friends. So my parents had a sister, my dad's sister was already in Montreal. So basically it was like okay. living with them first and living in the one apartment, yeah. Um, together and then from there it was like oh here are my friends or here's another cousin and it was just like this but it wasn't a choice of necessarily like that neighborhood or, or whatnot it was basically okay. following like the family they knew yeah 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 no it's really interesting to hear yeah. people's struggles when they first come to Canada because I mean I I personally take it for granted I mean my dad came in the 60s and he said that there were like no brown people around he's <laughs> like I could count them on a, I could count them on my single hand and right. and you know that's obviously the East Indian community in the East Indian community has definitely expanded a great deal definitely. but like back in the 60s there was like nobody he said yeah. it was just all white folk right so and especially in the west time. right now I feel like there's a lot of East uh, East Indian community. Yeah, I mean, well, here in here 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 in Edmonton, I mean, across Alberta, I mean, um, I think there's East Indians everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I always say that. I think they're, they're everywhere. But but uh, I mean, when my dad first came, he came, he landed in Montreal and then went to Toronto. But even like Toronto, like there really wasn't anybody at the time, and it wasn't until like the 70s and 80s where you started to see more and more newcomers coming to the right. country but it was a very different time so. yeah yeah definitely yeah. yeah i always appreciate actually just recently uh, uh, taught my students about immigration um it was just a topic i wanted to share about because i think it's just so yeah. important even and, and also always like relatable right and what's happening around the world too so yeah always what's the i know you said that you you teach so what is what is the the response or the, the the I don't know the connection or the or the comfort level that students over there? Because I imagine are they mostly Chinese students or yes. are they international students? Okay, yeah, they're all and so how, do they do they do they feel very connected to you, or do you feel like you have to work extra hard for their respect or to build credibility, or what does that look like? Um, so I've been here ten years, so I've had different experiences, okay. different. Um, different universities or different types of programs have 
had different students, but currently the ones I have, they're in a medical uh, university. So I'm teaching at a medical university. Um, okay. Like the students are super respectful. And as soon as like mm. my first classes, because this was a new semester, right? We started in September. So after each class, yep. they clap. And I was like, not expecting <laughs> that. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like, whoa. Um, so you kind of get the respect right away. But that has been different yeah. in, from other experiences or other uh, jobs I've had so these guys are really um yeah respectful the thing with you with the the difference because you know I was a university student in Canada and I imagined professors there too uh you know when if they were to I've never been a professor in Canada but if they were to compare mm. like here the students are like you ask a question and it's like dead silence. You have to like really, um, mm. or even kind of force them to be like, okay, now you're answering this question. Whereas I remember in Canada, it's like the professor asks, people are like raising their hands and there's more of an engagement. So that's, that's like, that's quite a, a difference. And also the topics that we speak, like for example, immigration, like, you know, yeah. I started speaking about immigration probably in grade six or something from what I remember. Mm. And here they, you know, from what I've seen, probably the first time they've spoken about it in this context. And so when you say, you know, they're either hesitant to put up their hand, what's what's culturally like what's driving that, do you think? Uh, I think it's their their culture of just being more. Um, uh, I don't know like waiting for the uh, like the one who's in authority or the leader to kind of be like okay yeah. now it's your turn <laughs> um right whereas right. yeah so i think that is what drives it more um and then yeah. i and you know i'm a, like i teach them about critical thinking so it's not like people say you know they have this misconception that oh like chinese they don't have the critical thinking skills and you know, they have different, they, they have it in a different way, I would say. Mm. Um, like, it's very known here to be like, that means like, don't ask why. <laughs> Whereas for oh, us, okay. yeah, this is like a saying they say. Whereas for us, you know, we're like, why, why, why does this happen? But <laughs> mm. um, but I don't, I don't like to, to like, you know, min, I don't know, downplay or just like minimize them. Of like they can't think or they can't, don't have the, the skills. Oh. It's a different way, you know, of education that, that we've yeah. had. But I do teach them about it. And, and, and I'm allowed to teach them about the critical thinking skills because they know it's important too, like the, the administration and, and all of that. So, yeah, I, I think and that's what level do you, of, What level do you teach Fabiola? Right now I'm teaching first and second year students. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like like university students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, university yeah. students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I'm, I imagine though, like at that level, like the curiosity and the thinking of why probably starts to come in more, right? Mm. Compared to, you know, if you're teaching secondary or elementary, right? Right. Like, uh, how do you? I don't know how anyone can shut off that part of the brain, especially mm. that that far into their academic life. Like, they're they're. It's interesting. So like maybe like from a cultural standpoint, like you said, don't want to really want to ask why, mm. but you know, internally, I wonder if they're actually like really anxious to want to ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And then you'll, you'll start to see like the students open up throughout the year and then just mm. be more interested about, about asking questions, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's cool. Yeah. What's, um, What's the social life like for 
uh, for kids at that age? Like, is there, is it, is it anything, does it surprise, does it surprise you or is it, is it, could people here in Canada expect something similar or what do you know? Uh, it's quite different. And especially right now with the pandemic, like, you know, you feel for these guys, it's been three years yeah. and here they still have the zero, zero COVID policy. Um, and with yeah. the students, they're quite, they're quite strict. So right now I'm living on campus and okay. for us, even for us teachers, it's like, don't go out or go out only if necessary. But for the students, they have to have like a document, um, just like kind of like a permission, um, mm. So in that sense, um, definitely more restricted, but I have had the opportunity to teach before the COVID, before COVID started. Um, and you, you can just, there's, there's a difference because, um, for example, <laughs> first year university in Canada, it's like, yeah, like, you know, the fresh, freshman week, totally. fresh freshers week, yeah. I forget. Frosh week, frosh week, frosh week, week. Yeah. Yeah. you know, the parties, mm -hmm. the living on campus or staying on campus or all of that. Whereas yeah. here you don't see that, even though there is kind of the liberty, like you, there's shops and stuff and, you know, of age to be drinking or you know, partying or, or whatnot, but it's just not really in the culture. Although you can see mm. like in Guangzhou, because it is a first tier city and uh, more modern, you can start what does that to... Mean? What does that mean? A first tier city? What does that mean? So here they, they classify the cities and you have like first tier okay. cities are the more, the more modern cities, the ones that have um, the economy is higher. Mm. So we have Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, uh, then you have the second tier cities and then third tier cities are like the really like smaller, smaller ones. That they, okay. they almost call villages, but for Canada, it's like already a pretty, pretty decent sized city. Does, does first, like, do those tiers, are there any implications for that? Or is it just the category in terms of size or does that, do you know if like, um, like services are different in those different Definitely. tier cities or? Okay. Yeah, services are better, like hospitals, so people come here. And first-tier cities are known for, like, uh, migrants within China. A lot of migrants have yeah. come to these cities. So uh, cities like Guangzhou, Shenzhen is another big one. Well, Shenzhen basically mm. was built off, like, migrants from around China. Mm. Um, like, 30 years ago, it was just a fishing city, like, fisherman yeah. city. Um, and now it's, like, a smart city, basically. Uh, yeah. so, so yeah, it's just known that there's just more opportunities, education, there's more, you know, the universities are here, the hospitals are better, uh, infrastructure in terms of roads and all of that. Yeah. Um, when you, uh, when you first got to China, was it in Guangzhou or was it, did you land somewhere else or? Yeah. So it was always Guangzhou. Um, what was interesting was I had no idea like where was Guangzhou or anything about Guangzhou or, and to be honest, that's scary. That's so scary. <laughs> and nothing really about China. Like I never, so you yeah. know how I told you, or I had said, uh, with France, it was like a dream and there was always kind of, and yeah. I, and I studied, uh, immersion when I was yeah like up until like high school, I, I graduated with right. immersions, you know, certificate or, or yeah. whatever you call it. Um, so I always had a connection with French or like with, you know, with France mm. and one day oh, I'll go to France, but China never, like there was never any, any connection. <laughs> and as a, I guess as a, as a Canadian university student wanting to like teach maybe abroad, I always thought, I always saw flyers of Japan, South Korea, Thailand, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. but not yeah, really China yeah. back then, you know, like 14 yeah. years ago or something like that. Um, but yeah, with China was, and why Guangzhou was, uh, 
my my husband he's polish and he actually i met him in france and he actually came to live in canada for about almost two years and working there he met a canadian guy who had lived in guangzhou and had Mm. married a chinese girl um and had brought her to canada and then or was going to something like this but anyways we would meet up and then i we would be like Mm. yeah like where to next and kind of this kind of you know being like also like international couple we were like you know, yeah. Canada is not it for now. Like, it doesn't have to sure, be it, yeah. it. And, um, we, like, you know, adventurous spirits. So then he was just like, no, you got to go to Guangzhou. It's in the south, close to Hong Kong. Mm. Like, flights are so cheap there to go and travel to other places, you know, in Asia. And that just kind of... And then and then salary-wise is better than, than Thailand. Um, so oh, okay. it was kind of like this, but we really, like when we came here, we didn't know anybody and he wasn't here. So there was no lead whatsoever. We just like landed in Guangzhou. And, <laughs> and, and did your husband have a job there yet? No, or both we both didn't nothing? have anything. <laughs> and now we That's, both uh... created pretty, you know, important projects here, I would say, because he's created a travel agency here and has taken wow. people like all over China yeah, so it's been. And did he have a background in this, or he just just passion like... as well? Both of us are. It's all driven by passion. Both of us didn't study business or you know community organization or anything like that, uh, but we were able to to make that happen here. And, and 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 honestly, because of the opportunities that that lay here in Guangzhou or that have laid here in China, that is why this happened, or you know. I don't think necessarily I would have been able to create global friendship in Ottawa. <laughs> okay, I want to hear more about that. But first of mm-hmm. all, that's just like an inspiring <laughs> story, right? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I maybe, maybe it's just me, but I, I imagine there are some people who the thought of just moving to China. I mean, I, I don't think we all have a really clear window as to what life is like in China from from a Canadian perspective, and so just mm. to like. The thought of just jumping there without any sort of, you know, no financial support, <laughs> no, no, no connections, nothing. And just to start something like that's, that's amazing. That's quite inspiring. So oh, um, thank you. I want, I, I want to, I want to obviously dive into global friendship. Um, but yeah, just, uh, it's incredible. Um, so I, I can't you said see that you anymore. You, is that, is that normal? Did you turn off? Yeah, it'll just, yeah, oh, okay. well, it'll, it's recording our feeds. So okay, good. cool. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, when you said that uh, global friendship and uh, you probably couldn't have thought to create that in Ottawa, what do you mean compared to like, why did you feel like China was the right place for that? So what I mean is that in Canada or Ottawa, where I grew up, there's already like community centers there's the festivals, mm. there's already like that multiculturalism. Mm. Um, and you already kind of feel like, like if you want to go and meet the Asians, you go and, and find out what's happening in the Asian community, you know? Sure. Or, or the Latinos, oh, there's the Latinite or, you know, et cetera. And growing up, you know, in your classroom, or at least for me, I always had people from diverse backgrounds. So you always you mm. grow up learning. You have best friends from different parts of the world. So why there was a need here to build global friendship was, so back in, so I came in 2012 and- yep. And yes, there were people from around the world. 
like Guangzhou is also uh, a trade a trading spot because of, oh, of okay. being so close to Hong Kong, um, and it's always been. You know, there's the um, is it right off the water yes, at all? Yeah, it's by the okay. Pearl River, um, so it's okay. always been. It has the history of being uh, a trade city. And so you had mm. traders from around the world. That's why big international, biggest, like one of the biggest international trade fairs would happen here twice mm. a year. They call it the Canton Fair. So mm. all different products. So yeah, always felt like there's a lot of different people, but it's like very transient. It was very, you know, mm. like people coming from Nepal, people come, but they're all, they're business people. Then you have the teachers, then you have the people who are working at the embassies because also mm. we have a lot of the consulates here. Um, but everybody was in, pockets and okay. then you had the locals like the chinese whereas you'd go mm. to an like let's say an event and you didn't really become like you weren't really befriending locals so yeah um i don't know i just started to feel like there is a need to to actually get connected more together and not just let's say the teachers getting together or having fun or then and then you have the traders over there um, and actually, mm. another interesting part of global friendship is that so I, I said I came at 2012 uh, with 12, my husband, yeah. but then because I, I enjoyed life here so much, I convinced my cousin and my best friend from Ottawa to come and live here too. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, so they came after our wedding in 2014, 2014, and uh, basically Rochelle. So my best friend's name is Rochelle. So we co-founded Global Friendship together. Okay. And okay. we started to feel like so the need of like bridging that gap and creating mm. events or like hangouts with more meaning rather than just like, oh, there's the, you know, Wednesday for ladies night, like, you know, something yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like also our backgrounds unite us in terms of how we see the world because everybody mm. has a different way, right, of how they see the world or how they see connections yeah. or friendships. But for us, it's always aligned. And so she's a social worker back in Canada. I studied uh, okay. criminology and social justice. And I worked mm. as, a, as a child and youth counselor before coming here at uh, the CAS. Okay. CA, yeah, C, Children's Aid Society. And uh, anyways, we always felt like there needs to be more community. Like we always loved back yeah. in, in Ottawa where you can go to volunteer wherever, like when, whenever you want or when there's a community, you know, thing happening, you can just go like that, that, that community feel the grassroots sure. kind of feel, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's what, yeah. Led us to actually say like, Oh, there needs to be more. So like, let's hang out, let's have fun, but let's like learn from each other. So like, let's learn from the locals as well and vice versa. Let's learn from those or from the Argentinians or the guy from Ghana or, you know, and mm. just kind of built like that. So it really did, it was built very organically because as I said, we don't have backgrounds yeah. in terms of like, you know, community organizers or kind of business skills like that. But um, And, and the local, the the local language there is i was reading is it mostly cantonese over there? it is yeah where we are yeah cantonese yeah yeah okay and cantonese is that because i think that's is that more in southern china you see more cantonese definitely yeah it's 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 okay. because the area is called canton it's the canton oh, okay. area and so hong kong is okay. also they speak cantonese so uh, the yes. people from hong kong from guangzhou and that's why in canada when you um, learn about the Chinese migrants, yeah. you're going to get a lot of the Cantonese 
So the first sure. Chinese that were there a lot are from this area. So it's really cool. There's an area called Kaiping where they have these watchtowers okay. and they even have like Canadian, like Canadian village, they call it because oh, okay. um, Chinese that went, you know, uh, in the 20th century or late 19th century to help build the railroads in Canada, <clears throat> uh, came back and built these really high watchtowers because they had money. So they mm. did them to like to, to protect, I guess, their property. Um, so and that's very close to where we live, uh, just like two hours away. So yeah, it, it's all very connected when you actually think about it. I, well, I remember growing up, and a lot of my friends um, who were who were of Chinese descent, they all were speaking like Cantonese, and so that's all I knew. I didn't really hear about Mandarin until right. much later. So yeah. I always thought that Cantonese was the main, the primary language of China. No. Yeah. And and nowadays yeah. Mandarin, like the students, they all learn Mandarin at school. So Cantonese is mm. not taught at school. Um, so okay. I would say everyone speaks Mandarin. Maybe like some of the seniors um, don't. But in terms of like the new generation. Yeah. Because that's what they learn yeah. at school. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Global Friendship mm -hmm. starts this organic way, mm. trying to build these kind of meaningful connections, right. more than just ladies' night. Right. And so how, how does it, does it, like, how did you first start this idea? And like, I guess, how did, like, how quickly did it grow? Okay, so it, it started off by watching a TED Talk. That's really how it started. Um, mm. So, okay. Being... As do all great ideas, right? <laughs> right. Nice good TED talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get inspired. Yeah. So I yes. was like, I was planning a lesson, a lesson for my students. And, and at the time, Rochelle, my, my best friend was living with us. Mm -hmm. So we were just like a Sunday night. I remember just like watching TED talks. And then there's one called, um, with JR, he's a graffiti artist about, okay. uh, can art change the world? Uh, and it's called the inside out project. Anyways, it was just like, about him going around the world taking pictures of people and then pasting these pictures black and white pictures just around the city like that he'd pick a spot mm. and then anyone who believed like in a certain mission of that city so one that i remember very vividly was about israelians and palestinians and he went mm. um that wall that that is there that kind of divides yeah, yeah. them and just put pictures of you know, and you didn't know who was Israeli and who was Palestinian. And it just created yeah. an art piece and people just walk by and just looking at it and like, what is this? You know, then mm. other ones in Brazil, like in the favelas and just having like uh, pictures of mm. women. So his that that was kind of like women pillars of the community. So always with a mission, like a, a mission, right, of, of, of yeah. what it was, but it was an art in itself because it wasn't, there was no explanation. People would just see the pictures. And right. uh, then we got inspired and we were like, oh my gosh, we're living in this like world right now in Guangzhou that people have no mm. idea. And we know as Canadians, like I had this really, really small perception of what China is and what, <laughs> and I had no yeah. idea what even Guangzhou was. Right. And to know that like, like literally living around people from around the world, learning each time we meet up, something so you know so cool and fascinating because in canada too that's the difference it's like we live in a multicultural society yeah growing up but it was like for uh, you know second generation you know or yes you're not yes necessarily always with like fresh 
I don't want to say like, but like people who I know what you mean, you know, like really like, oh, those are these guys are from Nepal. Like, and you can go to Nepal like next month with them if you want, you know, and that's what I know what you're going to say too, Fabio. (laughs) 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 But um, because that's actually what happened, right? Like a few months, no, like maybe two months before GF started, we had gone to our friend's Nepalese wedding in Nepal. And it was like okay. a, a group of us, and you know, we wore the saris. This is just I, even when I talk about it, I get so you know passionate because it was just really like yeah. living, like friend, friends yeah. from around the world, and you're doing it here right. in Guangzhou, like just yeah. yeah. And you're so, all just like banding together, right? I mean, yeah. like you're all kind of in the same boat, and and you're having to experience this new culture and you're doing it together, but you're also mixing each other's cultures. What was, what was, I guess, what's a, what's a culture that you were very surprised with? Like in terms of meeting someone else from another country in Guangzhou, were you just like, Oh, I wouldn't have expected that from that culture or yeah, I don't know. Just something that stands out, I guess. Honestly, the Nepalese community, because I had never yeah, met someone yeah. from Nepal. I had met yeah. many people from India, from Pakistan, from Sri Lanka, yeah. Um, yeah. but ne- never from Nepal. And just to like mm. learn about their country, their mountains, the Himalayas. Mm. Um, and, and we had, and basically our first group of friends here were Nepalese uh, and they were all okay. like the traders. So it's just like, it, it fascinates me uh, when I think about the beginnings um and then and i've been to nepal i think three times now three or four times oh cool so yeah yeah, always like very connected with them um and then i think just learning more about china also has been fascinating Mm. you know when you come to china and then if you don't if you just come here because in guangzhou as i said like it's modern city so you can go by living in kind of the modern uh, part of town you don't really need to know the language um, you can stick mostly with expats. You don't really get to mm-hmm. know about the, the Chinese culture. And um, I think that's a shame because it has so much, so much to offer. Have you traveled to rural China at all or any parts of rural China? Yeah, yeah, I have. And actually with GF, we before COVID, we used to go to one of the poorest areas in China, which is called Guizhou. Okay. It's one of the poorest okay. provinces, if not the poorest province, um, because it's a mountain province. Um, so in terms mm. of uh, there's not much apart from agriculture um, there uh, and infrastructure has been uh, has been, you know, not comparable to to the modern cities. So mm. we would go and volunteer. We'd bring around 20, 25 volunteers from Guangzhou, spend a week there and just live with the villagers. And also it's fascinating there, too, because they have the minorities so in China, they mm. have ethnic minorities as well. And, and this area, there's yeah. quite a lot of them. Um, and they're, they're quite different from the Hans. So they like to dance and sing and drink. And the Han are more okay. like... like um, mm, Not as reserved. Yeah, perhaps. they're more reserved here. And, yeah, and especially yeah, the Cantonese, yeah. it's like very proper. There's like a sort of okay. proper etiquette. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool that... Yeah. Uh, that you got to experience that. And so what was the reception when you, when you do go visit those areas? It is it pretty welcoming. Would you say? Yeah, I would say like back then. um, Mm. And also we would always go with local volunteers too. So why we went, it wasn't, it wasn't actually just because like 
you know, me and Rochelle decided like, let's just go find like a village and let's try to help. Mm-hmm. It was um, yeah. one of my boss, ex-bosses, his, his wife's family is from this area. So he approached okay. me and was like, do you think Global Friendship would want to support and, and uh, try out, uh, you know, a volunteer trip and we can go. And, and so it was like, this is like working together with locals. And I think that's what's important. Um, and that what's always been important with GF. So our mission has always been building meaningful connections together because I don't want mm. to be here and being saying like saying like this is how we build, you know, friendships or this is how we build connections um, from our perspective or the Western perspective. I think it really has to be together and mutual um, understandings. With the with the building and meaningful connections for for people who are just joining global friendship. Mm. What do you what do you see as something that they really gain from it? Like it's it's really clear and obvious what you and your best friend really have gained from creating this, and mm. and it seems to really have benefited you both. What would you say is the benefits that people have? And ter- like, do they have to pay for a membership? Like, how does it work actually? Right. So um, at the beginning we didn't. So at the beginning was as I said okay. organic, and just we would yeah. we would kind of be the ones putting the money in to make things happen. Um, but eventually, as it grew, because you, you did ask, like, how did it grow? And basically, yeah. that, that was the, that's the fascinating thing about here, too, is, like, things grow very quickly, <laughs> um, I guess, because of the size. And yeah. uh, eventually, we did put a membership to, to make it sustainable. And so right now, mm. it is um, 750 RMB. It's a lifetime membership. Okay. And uh, basically, uh, what I would say people gain and what we've the the feedback we've gotten has always been um, that they really have met like friends throughout like being part of this group, like real friends, deep friends. Yeah. Um, have actually partic, uh, you know, they've partook in meaningful events. So we do like women empowerment events. We do um, mental health events, uh, environmental. Uh, initiatives so things that matter in the world and they've been able to do that here whereas maybe as uh, uh, maybe other communities or other organizations don't necessarily offer that I mean I think it's really easy to offer like a social gathering you know because that's network and you know business is very big here so like business networking but we try to go you know a bit deeper and that has been the feedback that people actually have felt like like being part of a community that goes deeper beyond uh, the business or beyond the, I don't know, the getting things done. <laughs> sure. And this has become your full-time thing, like beyond, yeah, I know you're teaching, but mm-hmm. like, is this pretty much consumed most of your time, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Um, it is. Yeah. Basically I, I, I see it as a full-time because it's always like, like with the teaching, I can like turn it off, turn it off. But with GF, mm-hmm. it, it is, it is, uh, it is full time. The weekends, you know, are busy because of events, uh, or meetings or, or I travel, uh, through, uh, Guangzhou and Shenzhen. They're, they're the cities that we okay. are, um, that we're present in. Okay. So yeah, yeah. but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Of course it, it gets, it gets overwhelming and tiring and, you know, with COVID, um, cancellations of, of events or postpone. Well, that's postponing. what I was going to say is like right now with, with a lockdown, I can't mm-hmm. imagine you're able to do really much at all. Right. Like, is it kind of back to a virtual environment then for you or? Yeah. So it is, it's been, now it's been, we're on the third week, I believe. Um, okay. 
and it hasn't been like like just recently they've like locked down like one district but it hasn't been that intense like it's just been gradual so but obviously that affects like for halloween weekend we had this really cool um day of the dead party with the okay. uh, mexican consulate was supporting us and we were expecting 150 people and you know mm. we were just like so excited and literally two days before the event we just had to pull the plug and be like no this is not like you know it's it's not getting better um people are asking for refunds and you know the, the best mm. thing for now is just to to pause it and see when we can do it again so this these are kind of emotional roller coasters that happen because sure. you put so much effort and uh so many also so many parties involved so it's not just us it's like other other sponsors or other you know performers um, and then it's just like those, you know, but everybody understands, you know, we were already in the understanding stage that there's nothing we can do. Is, um, what is like the lockdown feel and look like? Like, is it, does it, like you said, sometimes it's kind of up and down with like the feeling of intensities or maybe it's a certain area, but like, what does an actual lockdown look like for COVID in China? Would you say? So thankfully where I am, uh, the district it's called Bayun. Um, it started kind of here. So, and being in the university, they tell you like, you have to be very careful, only leave if you need, you know, mm. emergency. There's the testing every day. So that's happening all over Guangzhou okay. right now, um, which was happening in Shenzhen. Like mobile, mobile testing, you mean? Is no, that no, no, no. We have to or... go to the sites. Okay. Okay. So, and in each area, you know, there is like the site and it's, they're free. So you just go line up get your test but you got to make sure you know 24 hours is is on your phone because we all have like the codes on our phone um okay they call yeah the health code uh so that that then um right now from what i've heard because i haven't been out uh, today but yeah. from last night they closed uh, really important bridges in guangzhou so that means the transport mm. is you know no longer and those people mm. living in that district, they're basically like locked in, you know, they can't go, um, they can't leave and we don't know until when. And that's, that's the thing about COVID is just like, you know, there's an, there's a rule, there's a regulation that gets implemented. And I know that that's not just been here. I know that around the world, that's what people had to face. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's basically, so limited, you know, limited transportation, the, always making sure you have your code because if not if you don't have that code of the 24 hours you you won't be allowed in you know to certain oh, if you okay. need to go to a grocery store or something like this depending on which it's area kind of, it's kind in. of like, yeah i guess it's kind of like um how you know different parts of the world or at least in canada we had the vaccine passport right at least mm. to show your proof of vaccination in this case it's like proof of that you're you've tested negative i exactly, guess exactly right? exactly basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it is fascinating. I mean, to see how, um, different countries responded to the pandemic. Right. I mean, like I'm in Alberta right now. I don't know if you know anything about what's going on, but like, I mean, there's just been, people are just tired right of it all. Yeah. And Alberta, I mean, generally, I don't know if you kind of know, it's, it's a little bit more, um, liberal or, uh, libertarian, more yes. minded government's not really a big yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And so people are just like, completely don't want to deal with that anymore yeah, right and just sure. and now you have a different part of the world that is you know taking a completely different approach like i guess did you see some of that um 
I guess during the pandemic, though, would you have gotten new members who would have just made their way to China or were people already there and you maybe didn't get as many new members from traveling in or definitely so definitely the pandemic like um affected us for sure yeah Yeah. because we were we actually call it like a virtual help desk center is kind of like how we you know wanted people or want people to see us when they first come like oh who like who to go to you know so right we our customer service we call him gf buddy and everybody knows him as gf buddy so he's your buddy he's your best buddy here so yeah people like stopped coming and basically what we saw especially this summer the exodus of expats so Mm. huge amount of people um and people who had been living here for you know years so the the people who are kind of locked in here but then you know when their businesses are can't keep going um life as a family you know is hard because you can't see your parents the kids can't grow up Mm -hmm. with their family um whereas before you know you're just always going back and forth so definitely that that um affected us and that's actually when we decided to switch so we used to have yearly membership uh and the membership okay. was a bit uh a bit cheaper but now because of this we then just started to say like let's have lifetime membership and that means yeah. um we we raised it a bit more but that means you also just stay as a member for life so even where even you leave china you know you, you always have that connection with global friendship um and then those who stay, you know, you build like this extra loyalty because they're like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> I can still, you know, be part next year uh, of GF and, and enjoy the benefits. And what are those member benefits? Like what, what do they really get out of that membership? So primarily uh, with our events, they get discounted, uh, discounted Mm. prices we also because we've been here since so we started in 2014 so you know we're pretty solid here as an organization um a lot of partner we we partner up with other organizations or the business chambers for example uh, british chambers canadian chambers and then they give our members uh, either sometimes free tickets to their events or discounted prices as well um, so in that sense, in the social aspect, that's one of the main things. Then we have partnered up with other businesses. So, uh, like, uh, restaurants, also mm. clinics, uh, lawyers, so we can refer them to these places and then they also get discounted prices. Discounts. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then we have our life services that, you know, as like, they can come to us and, and we try to help them with, with any, any life assistance that, that they may need mm-hmm. um and so we serve our members in that in that way it's yeah i mean just that's just like i know you said 2014 and you know you've been able to establish this footing but like such a short amount of time to be able to put, <laughs> kind of bring all that stuff together right and it just it, are you are you as a person who just constantly is just a tinkering kind of mindset like just wants to constantly improve things or like how do you how do you approach these things like because i mean there is a there you can sense there's an entrepreneurial mindset there right (laughs) um unless i'm wrong but i mean it's kind of sounds like it by the way this all kind of got started so Mm. um and i maybe i imagine your your best friend too has those qualities as well um but is that sort of just innate with you as far as like that uh that entrepreneurial spirit or mindset or so I think for me, um, definitely I'm someone who like my mind is always going and that's yeah. sometimes not a good thing. 
Um, as I've learned, you know, <laughs> as I get older, I'm just like, can you stop? Like I need, you know, the meditation sure. and these kind of things yeah. to really, um, you know, just stop. <laughs> um, also with yeah. sleeping and all that, I think these are just issues that come up with someone who's always has their mind going. Um, but in terms of entrepreneurial skills, I have the creativity, like that's something which is some very interesting when you talk about creativity, because as a, like in my younger years, I never thought I was creative because I've never been good at like art or, um, mm. you know, the, the, the conventional ways of when you think about art uh, or sorry, yeah, creativity, yeah. Uh, creativity music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then as I got older and, you know, realizing like creativity can be in so many different ways and so I know mm. I have a creative mind in terms of creating like connections or the events that we create and like adding this element and putting it together and then making it you know an experience the entrepreneurial yeah. part in terms of like the business aspect we're lucky that we got a Chinese uh partner so he uh, he oh, okay. became part of our so Rochelle and I our team in 2016, 2017. And he mm. kind of made us look at it more as like what you guys have created can go to the next okay. level. Um, okay. So with his help and direction, um, we've been able to to put it, you know, make it more sustainable. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Mm. And this, this desire to build connections between people, like what do you get out of it personally? Like what's that feeling like of when you see people connecting to each other or you connecting to them and I say that because like I would say for me like this is a big driver for me in this podcast is right. that I enjoy just building those connections and so I kind of want to know sort of the feelings that you get from just building those kind of human to human connections yeah and I can see that like going through the list of who you've interviewed because it's just a variety of people like you don't have one you know one <laughs> specific know. direction and and honestly that's I've... what so, yeah go ahead <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I've had so many people like, what's your podcast about? I'm like, it's just my curious mind. Like, really, yeah. like, I have all these random thoughts. I'm like, I got to talk to this person. And and then it's just fun. I didn't build these connections. So yeah. um, maybe I'm just a weirdo that way. But yeah, go ahead, please. Well, I'm, a, I'm a weirdo with you because that's exactly yeah. what people would say to us at the beginning or even, you know, afterwards, just like, like, who's your target? Or, you know, these kind of questions yeah. of like, who are you really trying to... I don't know. It, What's your it, niche? Yes, yes. And yeah, I, we were really yeah. like everyone. Like we're a community. Mm -hmm. So when you think right. of a community like center in Canada, like I always thought, thought like the city city center, the you know city hall, or when you know, mm. and you're just like it's like various people and from different backgrounds and different uh, genders and age and and all of that yeah uh social economic status different right so basically that's why we've always been happy with the name global friendship because we mm. believe that like by remaining open we have always had more opportunities so we've seen other organizations sure. or businesses that maybe start wanted to start like an um, international group here but we've seen them dissolve, especially after COVID. Um, and maybe because they were trying to be so niche. And us, mm. it, it just worked for us. I'm not saying that everybody has to, like, for some things, you have to be more niche oriented. But for us, it has always worked to, to, to remain the umbrella open <laughs> and, um, and, and, and also listen to the community. So after COVID, yeah. we, we, we got to see like, people are really wanting like more wellness 
like more mm. wellness events or more uh, wellness resources, right? So then we built that more. Um, and whereas before, maybe it was less, right? Or, or there was uh, less need for that. Um, so yeah, we try to always also pay attention to what are the needs, especially of our, of our members who have paid to, to really, um, to be able to see what we can offer them, what they need currently. The, the, the shift to focus on wellness, is that pretty natural for you? Or is that something that's kind of new for you as far as just, you know, taking care of yourself and like, do you live a lifestyle that's kind of active and fit and that sort of thing or was that uh a, like was that a new opportunity for you as well to kind of explore wellness with your global friendship network so for me personally it, it has been more of like so i turned 30 like in 2020 and i think after 30 okay. i started to be like i need to like be listening to my body more and it, it, <laughs> it isn't 25 anymore but with rochelle as a social a social worker wellness has always been mm. a big thing for her so we we, we mm. had started mental health workshops from before before uh 2020 mm. but it just got more of a need afterwards for me personally yes i would say in the recent years and and now i do make it a priority so now i have my workouts i do like four to five workouts mm. a week i run which is something I didn't really do before. <laughs> I've never been an okay. athletic person, you can say. Uh, you know, yeah. I've tried. I've tried meditation. I tried to journal. I try to. I focus on my like studying as well. Like even though I have my uh, my the global friendship, my teaching, I'm trying to also improve my my Chinese. And these things like fulfill me personally. Mm. I, I, my, like, I, I lit, I light up a candle, you know, just to de-stress, start a puzzle, like things that before I just like, I don't have time for that. You know, I'm too busy. Yeah. You're kind of living like the Huga culture. Do you know what Huga means? <laughs> you heard of that? No, no. No? Oh, we did, yeah. we did an episode on this. It was like, it's, uh, it comes from, um, comes from Norway. It's like a Norwegian kind of lifestyle. Oh. It's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. Okay. And it it's just like. I, like I think it's become pop, like it's been popularized by like oh you're supposed to have candles and very relaxed music <laughs> but it's actually like kind of this lifestyle where it's just like a really chill kind of atmosphere so um, yeah anyways that's where that comes from but yeah. would, uh, you're, you said like your workouts is there something that you really gravitate towards like are you kind of like a high intensity kind of workout do you like more heavier weights do you like just cardio like just pure cardio like what are the, what do your workouts look like? So it's a funny question because it kind of like the answer is just like who I am, how I am. So because okay. I wear many hats and that's why I always tell people because yeah. they, they, they see me as like di I do different things. They're like, how do you do that? Mm. Um, and with workouts, I'm the same. Like I can't just go to one place because then I get bored. So in, mm. a, in my week, each day is like a different workout. So I'll do some like I'll do mm. a home workout and I'll follow like there's this girl called Growing Ananas. She's from German, okay. Germ Germany. Um, I do boot camps. I'll go for a run. Like right now, the weather um, has cooled down a bit in Guangzhou because Guangzhou has really yeah. hot weather. It's usually humid here. Okay. Um, sometimes do dance, like Zumba dance. Uh, mm. So it's just like a variety. I need the variety. I'm a person that like yeah. needs change, variety, excitement. Then you meet different people also along the way. Um, and I... I I will, I'll be honest, I'm not very, I'm not a very like slow exercise. So like yoga has never been <laughs> a big okay. one for me. Um, I don't know. 
what other you ones? need to go you need to move yeah like, you need yeah. To, yeah yeah i need, need to feel sweat. it and like, just like yeah it's kind of like a meditation too like especially with the running sure. or kickboxing yeah. um you just like for that hour you're not thinking about and as i said i i'm, I'm an overthinker so it really does help Long distance running or, or short kind of high intensity running? So recently, I'm trying to get to the 10K. Um, and just recently, I did seven, which was good. Because I always used to be just like, okay, five, I'm good. And now, mm. yeah, just trying to build it up. I don't know how people do it. I honestly don't have the mental capacity to do long distance running. Like I just like to do high intensity sprints or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah? Get it over with it and feel like... <laughs> feel really terrible after because you're just dying but but uh the long distance stuff i just have no mental capacity for that i don't know how people when they talk about get i can understand that people get into a meditative state but i just not for me no (laughs) no no, you gotta go with what goes with you right (laughs) yeah no for yeah for sure um the mental health part when you talk about uh you know building uh focusing on wellness uh, first of all, I sh- actually should ask this: Are there? Are you? Do you allow locals to join Global Friendship? Definitely, definitely. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's always been like like I said, our mission: building meaningful connections together. So we definitely before we would we would have I would say it was like a seventy five percent you know expat twenty five percent locals. Now you can see mm. like more like sixty to forty. Um, so we have a mm. lot of locals joining us. Yeah. And so when you, the approach to mental health, I'm going to make an assumption and I'm going to say, and I don't know what I'm basing this on. Maybe Mm. this just, you know, other friends of mine who are of Chinese descent saying that, you know, the talk of mental health is not necessarily something that happens within their families. It's not necessarily, there's a bit of a stigma around. I mean, there's stigma here in in Western countries, right? About mental health. So um, I know family in, in India who mental health is not a thing that people talk about. So what has been the reception in terms of, um, you know, people wanting to talk about their mental health or the or even finding resources there in Guangzhou to mm-hmm. help support your network when it comes to mental health? Like, has it been challenging? Have people been receptive? or? Um, so after the pandemic, we definitely have seen um, there be more resources. And actually mm. with, um, with Global Friendship, Rochelle was able to gather. So we have a database now and basically a directory. And she gathered um, all the mental health resources that she could find throughout China. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of online now. Um, and so people come to us and they'll be like, where do we go to so we can give them this directory? And there's clinics as well that are, avail- are available both uh, in Chinese and in English. Um, so she's been doing a lot of that background work mm. her back end work and which before there wasn't really like that one, like that one page that could tell you the different resources. Right. And I know in mm. Beijing, there's other like communities that have done similar things. The reception mm. in terms of the local community, I think again, because we're in Guangzhou, more modern city, there is more mm. an acceptance from, from what I've seen. Okay. But for sure, like when you know about school and the education, they don't talk about it. So it is very mm-hmm. more like until you become an adult and maybe are more exposed to, um, how would I say, um, the uh, like like world news maybe, um, mm-hmm. you'll like learn more about it. 
but it's still, still very, very, um, uh, like not, not so much talked about. And, and there, would you say there's a bit of a taboo-ness around it or? Yeah, I would say the uh, older not generation, that far okay. I would say the older generation just doesn't know, doesn't know like yeah. what it really means. Right. Um, right. Same with, uh, you know, different diagnoses, behavioral issues. And I know this from like teachers that are working in international schools, they'll say like, you know, my mm. students, their, their parents have no idea. And, and, and also they're not equipped. They just know like, okay, these, the student seems to have, you know, something that needs to be diagnosed. Um, and then, then there's the issue of like, do the parents want to accept that? So that's what I've heard from firsthand in terms of like my friends that are educators. Uh, recently, we just had a like a wellness uh, like a, a workshop, you would say, and we invited three mm. guest speakers. And one of them was from a local, uh, or she's local, and she's a psychologist. And uh, mm. she spoke, you know, she spoke about it, uh, and she obviously says there you know, there are those facilities and there is, there is, uh, there are resources, but it's definitely not spoken enough, uh, spoken about enough, I would say. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I guess some of that isn't surprising, but, uh, it, like, I mean, it, it is good to hear though, that, um, in a modern city like Guangzhou, there are, you know, there is some level of acceptance. There is there are resources there, right. and especially during this time with the pandemic, yes. right? Like we all have been affected by loneliness yeah. in some way. Shape. I don't know anybody who probably hasn't, right? Mm. We all have probably experienced this to some yeah. degree. Like as humans, we need so much mental health. Yeah, yeah, we need so much more mental health support right definitely, now. And, definitely, definitely. And uh, so it's good that it's amazing that you guys are are providing that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was thinking about global friendship, I was what a I'm just like, okay, she, like her and her friend, they have, they've met all these people from different walks of life. And I, I wonder if you've noticed, like, what is the thing that you find binds people together? Like, cause I imagine like, well, I don't know, or do you, do you find that these people are all kind of like-minded in nature or are they very different? But I guess, is there something that you find kind of bind, binds? Cause you said you're a global citizen, mm-hmm. right? And we're seeing more and more people kind mm. of revert identify. to this kind of, yeah, identify nationalism, you know, just uh, we're all kind of isolated in our own spaces these days. Mm. Maybe things are starting to open up more. But um, what do you find as like, again, identify as a global citizen that you see with your with your friends in this network that binds us all together, right? Because I think sometimes we lose hope that, that we maybe are a little bit more different than each mm-hmm. other, right? And that we can't solve some of our pressing global cha- challenges, you know, because we all value different things. But but there's got to be values and things that you see that are very similar no matter where you're from. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely do think that there's a lot of uh, connections that can be made from people like that could be like, let's say uh, uh, on paper, we're so different, Right. But then you meet mm. and there's that connection. And I really think it starts with you being vulnerable. So if mm. you are able to be like, okay, let me show like who I am, not just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the community organizer, teacher, 
but this is Fabiola. I also have my times where I feel low or that I need to seek help or, um, or this happened to me yesterday. And then there, you connect, right. And just being more mm -hmm. real, I think in the time where, where we have, you know, social media all the time, this and that, like, I can't even keep up with these social <laughs> media apps. Yeah. Um, so when we, we do get to meet as people and just, even if it is online, right. But actually be more real to, with each other then that's, I think, where real connection comes from um, or the, the meaningful connections uh, develop. So I've seen, like, you know, here, again, with GF, not everybody's going to get along with everybody. And same with me. Like, just at the beginning, I used to have a hard time with, like, also the word friendship because it's like I can't be friends mm. with everybody. But I can, sure. I can be a leader for this organization. I had to accept that within myself because some people are not going to like me or some people are not necessarily going to adhere with our values as well. Right. Um, mm. And uh, I mean, that's a big name to hold, but at the same time, for sure. Yeah. But at the same time I had to, to really just focus on like, what is our mission and you know, those who mm. come and enjoy and, and find something within the organization, that's who like, that is who I'm, I'm, working for or working towards with or working with um so some people are going to get along with each other because of you know the same interests or for example when we have the women empowerment groups you see a lot of the ladies like you know from all walks of life coming together mm. um but then we'll we'll sometimes have a trip like a trip outside and then you see other people connecting then you see we have we call them the loyal the loyal uh chiefers because you'll see them like okay. at the various uh various uh events so they're kind of the ones who are just like oh i like what you do and i'm gonna go to like all the, the events but then you see other members who are just like no i really like your documentary nights because we sometimes have doc nights mm. so they, they just go to that one or i really like um the wellness one so you'll just see them at the, the wellness and and that's all good because everyone's you know, trying to find what they, they're looking for. Uh, but in terms mm. of, of actually building connection, I think if one thing I can see that with GF members or the GF community is people who really truly want to connect on a deeper level. So yes, I'm a teacher, but let's talk about, you know, life as well. Let's talk about our challenges or let's talk about the beauty of, I don't know, nature or art or, or whatever it is that, you know, drives them. And would you say that GF members come in with that approach of wanting to be vulnerable? Or do you think that for some cultures it's easier than others? Or Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, definitely, I see some, like, right away. You can see that. But also maybe that's just, you know, they're more open. Others, you can see they're hmm. they're a bit more reserved. But as the time goes by, you'll see them again, and, and they'll meet, uh, they'll meet like the same or they'll meet like a friend again or I know that they they've mm. created their own friends sometimes even couples are created within GF but then you start <laughs> to see them you know be more be more open or be more open with me and yeah, yeah that's always so nice to see because then I can really feel like oh they they're feeling like belongingness or they're feeling acceptance and and yeah I think I think I think that's the purpose of it all is to actually yeah. build, yeah. The, you know, the deep connections. Yeah. Um, 
I want to, I'm going to pivot to our two questions that we ask mm-hmm. every guest. And, and just yes. after I ask this though, is that, um, what, as it like, when you, again, you like kind of framing yourself as a global citizen, mm. what do you feel bothered by from what you see going on around the world? What do you, what gives you hope given that you, you know, have exposed to exposure to all these amazing people in this network and from all walks of life again. So what's your, what's the thing that really bothers you, especially, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, mm. but again, talking about, you see more nationalism, you see more isolationism, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But what bothers you um, given that you have this kind of global citizen mentality? Yeah, definitely. It just, you know, hearing the news of, uh, like the political aspects of like when it is yeah very um very separated and mm. there's like the lo- the the loss of actual of, of us understanding that we're first humans you know we're just so yeah. so accustomed of thinking of the other like you're the other and you're different and i think that that goes along with like you know, the, the question of refugees, like certain refugees are more mm. accepted than others in certain parts of the world. Right. And just knowing that, like knowing and identifying myself as well, like I have background of that. I'm also brown. So in a way I'm minority mm. as well, um, even in Canada. Uh, so, you know, when we do think of, of each other as the other is like disturbing to me. Um, mm. I know that we have differences and that's, that's, that's the beautiful part of, of diversity, right? We, we should have differences. I mean, ha- having like a homo- homogenous society would not be something I'd want either. Um, so yeah, when, when, and then, and then you can like hear when there were, you know, when the whole, the war with, with Russia, for example, mm. and then seeing that some Russians here have been treated poorly and it's like, why? Like they have nothing to mm. do with that. Right. Um, or vice versa. Or like you see that with the Chinese and, and you know, for sure. There's been so much hate that's been shown towards Asians across the world because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Or even here in China, like you'll see it like against the foreigners, you know, there'll be some, some businesses will be like (laughs) no foreigners because, you know, and there's, and that's, there's that lack of, Mm. I don't know, education or ignorance or or whatnot. And I think that happens Mm. because there has not been exposure. They haven't actually been exposed to foreign friends, for example, if we're talking about Mm. China or like in, in the West, if they haven't been friends with Muslims, for example, or Mm. uh, people from different, uh, different ethnic backgrounds and and i think yeah that just comes from ignorance and and so that that is bothersome because um i really do believe that we all just want belongingness and and acceptance and and learning from each other so i think that's that's the essence of global friendship is to actually learn from each other oh so that's a good transition then to what gives you hope what gives me hope is when i i guess like seeing seeing um these friendships and connections happen um i love also uh, collectiveness so i do believe like as one individual you obviously can make a difference you obviously first of all make Mm -hmm. a difference for yourself i think it's the 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 most important thing and therefore you're able to help others but when you get to like actually help as a like in a group i really do believe like a greater impact can can happen and 
in that collectiveness, of course, there's going to be differences. Of course, there's going to be maybe a different perspective on how you view global warming, for example. But if you're mm -hmm. all collectively mm -hmm. working together, you know, for a greater good or for um, a, a more positive impact in our world with more love and kindness, compassion, sharing, you know, realness, um, then, then that's what gives me hope. That's amazing. Um, have you noticed any, I mean, how big is the membership at this point? At how many members? Yeah. yeah. So currently in, in China, we have around 500. Wow. And uh, um, have you? We've had a lot who, who have left. So I would say it's been maybe another 200 or so that has have left within these two years, uh, two, three years. And would you say those who have left, do you know if any of them just feel more motivated to like participate in, you know, I don't know, it could be, could be politics. It could be something that's sort of just something bigger than themselves because they would have gotten this kind of, you know, again, meaningful, really meaningful, rich experience that you're offering. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it, if it was necessarily or if necessarily yeah. GF has contributed, but I know that I've, I've had people ask me that have left and they're like, is there a global friendship in, in this part, you know, in, your, mm. in Europe or wherever they're living now? And I'm just like, oh, hopefully one day, you know, but not, not, not yet. <laughs> not yes. yet. But yeah, yes. that, that has, that I have had those questions. Um, and I, I don't know if you know, like WeChat, we have the, so we yeah, don't use WhatsApp, yeah. we use WeChat, right? And so some still stay connected on WeChat. So they'll still like what we do or, or on Instagram. Okay. And, and you can see that, you know, or they'll send the messages of like, oh, I always watch what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Mm. Or others that, that maybe appre didn't appreciate it as much as un up until like after leaving. Then they're like, oh, like I really miss GF. I... You know, because once you're here and, and we're always doing things, so we're always offering a lot yeah. <laughs> that maybe it just becomes normal. People have been here for a while. But um, yeah, then they go and they, they say like, oh, where's GF? Um, so yeah, that's always nice because that means they, they did get something out of it, right? They, they did yeah. Yeah. benefit. <laughs> that's And that probably feels amazing, I would it think. It does. Right? It does. Those messages, honestly, with Rochelle, like when we get those type of messages, that's like when we're like wow it's it's all worth it because i'm not gonna yeah. lie it hasn't been easy it hasn't been easy mm. and and working with people i think in general is never <laughs> easy because mm. everyone's different mm -hmm. right and again because we made it so broad we have people from all walks of life and uh people looking for for belonging right um sometimes it it, it uh yeah it's not the most it's, it's it can get complicated and also being in china mm. but but yeah, when you get those those messages or the feedback after an event and they, you know, tell you that that event, they really learned something or they really met, you know, some cool people, then it just makes it worth it. Yeah. Um, so is China, is Guangzhou, China, is that where you feel like you're going to be for some time or, you know, you kind of sound a bit like a global nomad. So or is, was there another place you want to test out at some point or yeah definitely want to test out more um china yeah. has to be honest i didn't expect we'd stay here this long <laughs> but it's mm. been good to us it's been good to us but i i do think uh soon enough will be time for an, a new chapter um probably some part in 
another part in Asia, trying to look for the beach yeah. this time. <laughs> Go even more chill. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. We were yeah. we were thinking of Poland at some point. Um, yeah. But well, because your husband you yes. said is from there, right? Yeah. So, but yeah. things haven't been the greatest in Europe mm. and Poland and the inflation, all of that. Mm. Canada is always a choice, but then I'm like, Canada is nice maybe for when I'm a little bit older. <laughs> Yeah, right now yeah, yeah. i still got just retire in victoria or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. nice in the summertime yeah not gonna lie yeah, yeah. um but I, I don't know if i'm ready for the canadian life you know God. it's i don't know well i'll tell you right now this morning it felt like minus 26 in edmonton no. and uh yes yes no. and my fam my family in ontario they're like what are you talking about it's 21 here oh like it's just you can see canada's so big I like know. just the Differences in temperatures oh, is, is unreal. I always say the poor um, people of Canada, especially the ones that live in these like really intense temperature. Well, the thing is, like people people always ask us. I mean, especially again <laughs> because we have family in Ontario, they're like, "Oh, the winters there must be terrible." It's not. It's the length of the winter that mm. we have to deal with. Like, so what is it? And uh, beginning of November. Yes the snow is not going away until like april it's the length otherwise yes. like yes Correct. it can get to minus 40 but it's a very dry cold so as long as you dress up you're fine like it's not it doesn't have that damp humidity that you would have experienced in montreal or in toronto or ottawa right. ottawa's winters are brutal oh, like yeah. actually fine oh, ottawa is yeah. really really bad yeah ottawa's ottawa's yeah. bad and at least montreal they have the is it the underground yeah. yeah, the it's yeah. kind of like underground city, especially downtown, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of, I mean, if you're around there, you can hide a bit. <laughs> hide away. But yeah. in Ottawa, yeah. no, and Ottawa's pretty spaced out. That's the thing with Ottawa, too. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, a lot of people are living in the suburbs. Um, so, oh, yeah. gosh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Go somewhere warm. Just don't, yeah, you don't have to come so back. Just... Although I imagine your family probably misses you, though, hey? Yeah, yeah, they do. And so... Uh, most of my family is still in El Salvador. Um, so, oh, okay. Yeah, my immediate family, like my parents and my brothers are in, are in Ottawa. Um, they're actually yeah. going to be heading to El Salvador for... My mom's going, I think, for four months this time in 2023. Oh, nice. And yeah, just yeah. like, oh, I wish I could go with them. But right now yeah. with the COVID and here, it's still like hard to get in. So if you leave, you're kind of like, mm. you don't know if you're coming back. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, okay, if I do leave China, I'm I'm looking for somewhere warm. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair. Yeah, fair. fair. Um, are you okay if we pivot to the final two questions that I ask every guest? For sure, for sure. Okay, so our five for dinner question: dead or alive? Who are five people you'd want to have supper with? And and I guess would you have them in individually or would you have them together? Individually, yeah. Okay, uh, the five All that right. I'm thinking of. Um, okay. So I, I first thought of Oprah Winfrey. Uh, okay. She was always has always been like an inspiration to me. And like growing up, I remember just like coming after school at like four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. The Oprah Winfrey <laughs> Show. I know. I get like, it. I never... I'll be one of those. I'll be one of those dudes that admits I watched nice. a little bit of Oprah for sure. Yeah. 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 And again, always various topics, right? Sometimes yeah. it was light, sometimes super dark, sometimes funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel yeah. like she's she shaped me. And and also that's one thing that I, I think about when growing up, you know, because at the end of the day, I wasn't I wasn't, you know, African Canadian, but I was mm. I was a minority. I was at sometimes at some point in my life or growing up, I was called the brown girl, you know. 
Mm. And, um, and I never had necessarily like, I don't remember like a brown teacher or like Latina teacher, you know? Mm. Um, and so Oprah always like that figure of like this powerful black woman, mm. like always yeah. fascinated me. And as, and throughout yeah. the years, you just like respect, respect. <laughs> for sure. And her yeah. ability to connect with people is, is unprecedented for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Oprah, cool. Oprah okay. for sure. Uh, Noam Chomsky. Okay, tell me more. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Noam Chomsky, linguist. Uh, I'm sorry. No. Yeah, but I, I'm fascinated though. Please tell oh, me. Okay, so uh, Noam Chomsky, linguist and lecturer. Um, okay. And I guess I got influenced by him through my dad. He, um, mm. he, he writes a lot about Latin America and about world mm. politics and uh, the, okay. the, the Latin perspective as well. Uh, he's American. Um, mm. but he, he, uh, one of the books I read, he basically used El Salvador as a case study of like what happens mm. in, in wars and transgressional wars and, and how, for example, the war in El Salvador was supposed to be a civil war. That's like what my parents mm. thought, you know, as being university students. Uh, and when they, they, they flew from the country, then they found out, oh, wait, <laughs> There was backing from the U.S. There was military mm. training. There was money involved, and mm. and that that happens all around the world, right? When the superpowers get behind, um, you know, sure. uh, these civil wars or or leaders that want to make a difference but are not allowed to. Yep. So yeah, Noam Chomsky has always been uh, important for me in terms of literature. Um, cool. Frida Kahlo, another one. Uh, so she's mm. an artist or was an artist in Mexico okay. and uh, very rev revolutionary in terms of being a woman, um, never had children. Well, well the children was, be was because she, um, she suffered a, an accident. Anyways, like really, okay. really uh, amazing story of hers. And I always knew about her because she's used in like um, sometimes like pop, pop icon. But I think people okay. didn't really don't really understand who she was or what mm. what she stood for until I went to Mexico. That's when I really found out. Like I went to visit her house. It's now turned into a museum. Uh, fascinating, fascinating story. And, and as yeah. a woman and as a Latina, I think um, mm. would be amazing just to hear her. Her and back then, like she was like this liberal, like drinking. She would be. Uh, like not wow. this conventional, you know, Latina yeah, woman yeah. being staying at home. Uh, she'd she'd go to Europe and and show her art and yeah, fascinating. Uh, yeah, Bob Marley. I don't know. Just always loved mm. reggae. <laughs> mm -hmm. Love the love the beats. <laughs> love the island sounds and also his his lyrics also mean something and he had a you know a story to tell about about society and uh, about the rights to for his people yeah and yeah. Uh, another one which is controversial but i'm just gonna say it because you know gotta be real uh is che guevara che guevara from uh the revolutionary <laughs> mm. um so also growing up uh was influenced again by you know latin culture and uh as an 18 year old i read his diaries you know there's the Che Guevara Diaries. So you can sense I have a, a revolutionary spirit in me. 
<laughs> yes. But there's also this like there's also this chill side of you though, mm. right? Like you just kinda you just kinda wanna listen to your Oprah and with them Bob Marley in the background, sitting at the beach, you know Put what that I mean? Like on. you got that side of you. <laughs> yes. And then and then when that's done, you're like, oh revolution. Yeah. You know? like, just <laughs> I think I've chilled out. So like throughout the years i was super like as in as 18 early 20s i was just like yeah i'm gonna change the world um and then like realizing you know there's there there's still ways i can change the world you know in my own way but in a more chilled out way in a more rational way um but i i do still believe in change i i do believe in in revolutions i believe you know revolution within yourself right like you want to keep changing and growing um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like, I like how you think that, um, moving to Guangzhou and just starting something, knowing nobody and creating this global me- global <laughs> network of people with trying to create meaningful connections is like a rational thing. Like, I don't <laughs> think that, I think that is something that is like, again, not many people would do. Like it's, it takes a lot of courage. Like it's amazing what, uh, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, so I feel like you're still, you're not feel like you are changing the world. You are making a difference. You are like, uh, it's, it truly was a pleasure to talk to you. Like, and congratulations on, on doing this with your best friend on top of that, which is, which is really special, yeah, right? Like, you know, so, not many people get to do that. And, and, and I, you know, I imagine in any partnership, there's always, there can be challenges, but like, you know, you're, you're speaking about her in a really genuine authentic yeah. way so and that's grateful. really cool so blessed. Yeah. yeah 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 amazing so, um yeah thank yeah. you so much um, yeah congrats for allowing me You're to welcome. share Congra- I, as you can see i love sharing so <laughs> any, i love any it i love it yeah i i, I no, love this conversation yeah <laughs> this conversation was easy um it was it really was a pleasure to talk to you um we're gonna put all of your information in our show notes so that people can connect with you if they if or connect with global friendship at least and find out more about it and and yeah just thank you for so much for your time and um just just yeah it was really a pleasure to to get to meet you and to get to know you a little bit better yeah thank you so much it also felt so natural to talk to you so i hope one day we get to to actually meet because i'd love to hear more about you mean you're gonna come to edmonton is that what's happening (laughs) in the summer in the summer yo (laughs) okay i heard it's beautiful It is beautiful for sure. Please, yeah. if you ever do, please hit me up. I'd be happy to meet yeah, you. Yeah, it would sure. be amazing because yeah. I, I know I can tell you also have lots of deepness in you and lots and lots to share. Oh, thank you uh, to the world. So, yeah, it would be I amazing. Appreciate that. Uh, do you mind if That's I take a picture? Me. Can I take like no, a screenshot? No, go for it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, take a screenshot. <laughs> All yeah, right. no, that's um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna share it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. All right. I'll take another one just to, just in case. Perfect. All right. One, two, three. Oh, sorry. Okay, cool. And as a Canadian, cool. I really do notice, like, I always say sorry. Like, that's something people are like, here. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. <laughs> no matter yeah. how long I've been here, it's just like, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Oops, I sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of tempted to, like, 
not edit this little part out of us <laughs> taking a screenshot and just keeping that and, and people are like what are you two doing like end the recording at this moment <laughs> yes. um yeah okay well thanks everyone yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. No, that's okay. Thanks, Fabio. I really appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. And um, please share this episode and check out Global Friendship. And and because, yeah, this amazing work that you're doing. Thanks, Fabio, again. <laughs> Thank you.